Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. All right, please join me in welcoming Pastor Cameron. All right. Thank you, Graham. Thank you, Graham. There you go. All right, well, welcome, welcome everyone. everyone. Uh, uh, good morning. morning. Could you grab that and bring it over? So, uh, today you are going to have the opportunity to experience uh, something that we've never, ever done as a church. I've been a pastor for uh, nearly 30 years, and I've never actually done this. So, are you ready? Excited about, about this? Trying to build a little excitement. Uh, what, uh, what we're going to do, we're talking about happy family, and this is the final message in that series. And the goal of the series is, is to encourage and to instruct on ways to create joy and happiness in, in, in the family, uh, in the home and in the family. And so what I'm going to do today is uh, have my family come up. So come on up, guys. So you get to, you're going to hear it from all of us? And even this one with the blonde, blonde hair. hair, I mean, that's, I thought. Oh, that's, oh, that's right, right, Emily, Emily. Emily. <laughs> uh, what, happened uh, what happened there? there? Could you hold this? Somebody hold this. There you go. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we've never actually been on the stage as a family before. And who knows, this may never happen again, uh, depending on how, this, how it goes. Uh, kind of, kind of feeling real vulnerable right now, right? Because they could really, really say some things. Uh, <laughs> and uh, work with me, okay, guys. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so talking about happy family, and we want to share some of the things that uh, we have done to create a, a happy family. And I asked, I sent them all an email about a month ago. Just saying, I'm preparing for a message. What are some things that uh, you know worked uh, in our home to create a, a happy family? And and just a, a few uh, questions. And they didn't know I was going to have them come on stage, but uh, so I had them write some things down first, and then I told them. I said, "Okay, this is my idea. We're actually getting up and talk about it." Uh, but before we do that, <coughs> two things. One is a disclaimer. We're the purpose of this is to talk about happy stuff, right? And so we're not going to talk about all of the problems and the trials and the strife and the, you know, the difficulties because we only have 30 minutes. <laughs> we couldn't fit all of that in. And I assure you, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pastor, so I know a lot of what's gone on in a lot of your lives, and and and, and uh, you've invited me into some of your most difficult times, and that's an honor. It's also difficult, and it's uh, it's hard. So I know how hard family life can be. I just want you to know that it's it's that hard in our family too, okay? And so we've had uh, issues and episodes, and circumstances, and situations in our lives, in our relationships, that are, uh, that were and are as severe uh, as anyone else here, okay? Seriously. Uh, we're not going to talk about those. 
<laughs> and that would be another message. All right. This is a message is about how things that we did to make it happy. Because even when there's difficult things going on, you can still do things to create and to uh, foster and to encourage joy and happiness and peace in the family. And so we just want to share some, some, some keys. And I am going to start with a, a bit of a scripture <coughs> um, from Ephesians 5, because it's a, it's a great verse. You know, the, one of the things that I find kind of interesting about the Bible is that there is that there really isn't a great example of like a really the ideal family you know you got to really look hard and even in the good ones there's like well yeah but you really really messed up and you know what that's because the bible's real that's the way it really is i love how the bible starts with the family adam and eve and how everything is the result of what happened in that family. But also love that Jesus came, the Savior came, Messiah came, our peace came, victory over sin, death, the devil, the world, everything came into a family. He was born, a little baby. Grew up, the dad, the mom. We find out later that he had brothers and, and, and sisters, we think, too. And so uh, it was in the context of family that God brought redemption. <clears throat> and Paul, there is one place in, in uh, Ephesians, there's many places in Scripture that talk about how to have a good family, and, and I'm just going to read through this, and then we're going to jump into a discussion. But uh, Paul's talking about Christ and the, and the church and how magnificent it is, and then he, he transitions in chapter 5 into some practical advice, and he says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. And in other words, he's saying, wives, you know, your relationship with your husband is to be based on a, a reflection or out of the motivation of your relationship to Jesus Christ. So that means even if your husband's maybe sometimes doesn't deserve it, it's not because they deserve it, but because of Christ's relationship with you that gives you the motivation and the, the ability, the strength. To, to be supportive, submitive, uh, su submit and support is really very similar uh, idea there. <coughs> I'm going to try not to teach through this <laughs> and, uh, too much. And then he goes on, he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And so the wife has responsibility uh, to support and submit. The husband has a responsibility to, to love and to give himself for the wife. And so it's a mutual serving of one another. And Jesus' example of uh, giving himself literally was dying on the cross. Um, uh, and he elaborates on that uh, quite a bit. Jumping down to verse 33, he says, Let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And so there's duties, there's responsibility, there's obligations put on each, each role, both the husband and the wife, to treat each other in a way that creates an atmosphere of, uh, of a healthy family, and it's all rooted in our relationship to Jesus Christ. I love Kathy, not just because of Kathy, but I have to have a source for that love, and that source is my relationship with Christ. And then he goes on, and he says, children... Obey, obey your parents in the in Lord. The Lord. <coughs> and, 
And it says another word. So there's obey, but then there's also honor. Your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And so there's a... Uh, these words, instructions of obeying and honoring that the uh, children have toward the parents. But listen, it doesn't stop there. The next verse is, and you fathers, particularly, but parents both, do not provoke your children to wrath. Hey, parents, Paul's saying, quit making your children angry. Every teenager should have that verse memorized. <laughs> Why am I an angry teenager? No, the Bible says it's because you're doing it. <laughs> I, could, I could quote some other verses too. <laughs> Ravens plucking out your eyes. That's one of my favorites. So you can look that one up. <clears throat> All right. So fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. But instead, bring them up in the training and admonition, or, or mature them and nourish them uh, uh, in the admonition of the Lord. And so, as we see in that verse and throughout the Bible, it, there's, there's responsibilities and obligations in every, every role. And so I asked these guys, okay, so what did we do that uh, created a happy family? Um, and uh, you, you all gave me some responses. Anyone want to jump in with one? We'll go with, with Tori. Right. <coughs> Tori's the oldest, so she, she's got a little more uh, uh, responsibility. And you know, one of the things that, uh, that you put is that, uh, huh? I asked him to kill me. Yeah, so here we go. I, have my, I printed it off. <laughs> yeah, so oh, he did. He asked, first question was, do you think we have a happy family? And yes, we, overall, we definitely have a happy family. And so I started thinking about why, why do I feel that way? And one of the first things that came to mind was that we feel safe and we trust our parents. And like, I was thinking about different ways that that's um, worked out. So like one of the things that I remember as a kid growing up is that it was very clear that no matter what, we could take anything to mom and dad and they wanted us to succeed. And so most of the time, if I was having a hard time going to mom and dad, it was because of my own pride or fear and not because of how they would respond. Uh, like once I would take something to them, then I would, things would start to get better usually. <laughs> but that moment like of, of just being a kid, and I mean, dad's kind of intense guy, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew I could trust him, and he was on my side. So yeah. that exactly, exactly. So that was yeah. definitely one of the first things that came to mind is that family was safe. So yeah, every one of you in your responses kind of touched on that aspect of of safety. How did you, the, the rest of you, why don't you hand the mic over? Yeah. So how did it come across for you? So um, well, I was just uh, as Tori was speaking, I was thinking of um just like different memories that I've had like just throughout my childhood and um, like one of the things in I, I think that kind of runs through all of us especially um, me and Tori um, is just kind of like an 
overly large conscience. Like, um, <laughs> I remember, like, I have so many childhood memories of, like, oh, my gosh, like, I went into my neighbor's backyard without asking their permission. I feel really bad about this. Like, little things like that and then things that, you know, were a bit more heightened and um, just were a bit more, um, you know, across the line a bit more and things like that. And um, I, I have memories of, like, I have this gnawing feeling in me and I know that it will end when I go to my parents and I talk to them about it because they're not going to... I, I felt like they were more interested in teaching me than punishing me. Um, so, um, oh, there was another example that I had just thought of. Um, like, for instance, one of the things that um, was kind of actually, like, has long-term changed my perspective in how I just carry myself um, in life, actually. Uh, we were, I was 17, and we were at um, Cedar Campus, which is a camp that my family goes to. If you've been around the church, you've probably heard us talk about it. Where it's kind of a thing that we love to do. Um, and um, there was something that I had asked my dad permission to do. Um, like it was go off and do some specific thing with um, some friends. And uh, there was just the way the situation was. was I was like, uh, like I don't want to just, like if I don't ask his permission, I feel like I'd kind of be sneaking off. So I was like, I, I want to make sure I get his okay. And um, when I asked his permission to do this thing, he was like, honestly, Emily, like, thanks for asking my permission, but we've reached the point where you're old enough that I'm not, I'm not parenting a child anymore. Um, like, you are in charge of your own decisions, and I'm not going to say yes or no to things you can't do, can or can't do, because at this point, I've raised you enough that my hope is the way that I've raised you will lead you to make the right decision. Um, and that completely changed the perspective of the parent-child relationship, honestly. Um, and, like, in the moment, I wasn't like, this, this is this huge revelation that I'm having, <laughs> like, on the beach of the Upper Peninsula. Oh, my goodness. But um, it was, okay, Dad's saying he's done his job, and now it's my turn to do my job. Boom. And he's putting the responsibility on me. And so the choices that I make, it's not going to be out of rebellion of some legalism that he's given me. Like, I'm not going to misbehave because of a rebellion, because there is no need for a rebellion. And he, <laughs> it's like, it's your like literally, he was like, you can do this, and I trust you, and, like, I'm not going to see you any differently, regardless of what you do. And, and I was like, okay, I, I don't have any desire to do anything stupid after this. You know, I don't have, I'm not going to, like, a, a, and so, like, just, it was a safe, he created safety in, like, you can do this. Or you could not do this. Like it's up to you. I've raised you. I've trained you to the best of my ability. So, and that's really one of the main themes that I have used. And it didn't start at 17. It actually starts about four. All right, where they can start. The kids can start making their own decisions. And one thing I want to say is, whether you have kids or not, these rules of relationships apply across the board, if you're single, if you're just with you and your spouse, uh, if you have kids or if you're an empty nester, uh, the same rules of relationship apply. But what Emily brought out is that <coughs> my goal in parenting is to enable them to teach them to make good decisions. And then so if they'd come with a, uh, a question, can I do this? I'd be like, well, if you do it this way, this is probably what's gonna happen. And if you do this, this is this possibly could happen. So I would point out what I think would be uh, 
potential consequences and then say, what do you want? Which would you prefer? You know, and then how are you going to get there? And then have them make their decision and then, you know, root, the, root, uh, root them on, root the best. You responded when she said about punishment. Did you want to add to that? Or was there something else you wanted to add? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> that, that when she said that you yeah. could come and talk and that was more, we, uh, as mom and dad, more about yeah, yeah. teaching than punishing. Um, I feel like they uh, really facilitated me um, and were trusting us with what we were doing. Like, if I did something wrong, generally I knew that I did something wrong, so they mostly uh, comforted me through when I did something wrong rather than, like, beating me down. Uh, they lifted me up after I made a mistake, and so they would lead me where I should go after that um, rather than putting me down, and I really respected that. Um, also, with what Emily was saying, kind of that individuality, uh, I feel like they really have fostered us, and I think I, I'm still in their household right now, uh, so mm -hmm. how I see it's going to happen is since they're not, like, parenting us every moment until we get out of the house, when they give us that opportunity to have that individual self making our own decisions is kind of preparing us for when we're forced to make our decisions outside of our house, uh, so, like, while we're in the house, we have the parenting phase where we're being really guided. Then he lets us, still under their protection, and he lets us go around. Uh, and then when we get out into the world, we can really experience it with the knowledge that our parents are still there for us. Yeah, there you go. Excellent. Thanks. Uh, well. <laughs> well, in what way, Lois, did you feel that a safety was created? You mentioned communication. Uh, I mentioned communication because... Uh, in our family, whenever someone is going through something troubling or uh, or they're excited about something, uh, we can always just like talk to the other people in the family, um, and they always uh, respond very positively. Um, and if it's troubling, uh, you guys always give like super good advice and stuff, um, and that creates a really strong level of trust um, throughout the whole family. So. Yeah, yeah. I really uh, appreciate that, that uh, you know, people have learned how, the, all, of, all of them, yeah, she's going to be next. Have, have, you know, and it, it is, you have to create an atmosphere where they can come and say something really hard um, and they've learned that, that they can do that, but that's a process that takes a long time. And as a parent, you have to not react, right? You don't react. You don't what? Like, what? You did what? You did what? You know. And if that's just the if that happens over little things, then they'll never come to you over big things. You know. And so you find out that. You know, the kid said something that wasn't true. You lied to me! You know, maybe something small when they're four or five. You know, and then there's this fear that's underlying. And so, you know, you kind of have to go into like, okay, I have to, as a parent, I have to hear this and hold my reaction uh, and respond rather than react. And okay, where are we going to go with this? And that's not easy. It's, 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 it's difficult. Kathy, what's some, some of the things that you... Um, felt helped um, um, create happiness. 
Um, I know that you wrote this in your notes too, but um, and I think all of us said this in a different way, but we really have a lot of respect for one another and we really seek to act on that. And I remember making a conscious decision when Tori was probably six or eight months old. She wasn't, I don't think she was hardly crawling yet, but I remember she was sitting on the floor, she was able to sit up. And I think that I had been short with her in some way or dismissed her in some way. I can't remember what prompted my next thought. But I remembered a really good friend of mine who always shows respect. Um, some of you that have been around here a long time might remember Monica Marino. And she just always, always would show respect to anybody. And that was something I respected about her. And I thought to myself, what would Monica think if she saw how I was talking to Emily, to Tori or, or whatever, you know? And I just felt like, oh man, I need to treat my kids with respect. And, and it wasn't that I w deliberately wanted to be disrespectful, but it was just a light turning on that I had been accidentally disrespectful, just kind of, you know, operating from myself and not thinking about her heart or their hearts as they all came along. So that was something that shifted in me and that I just really desired to show them and honor them, treat them like I would treat the most honored guest. I know that a lot of times parents can be, I, and honestly, I, I failed many times at being respectful, but, but my overall policy and heart was to be respectful to them and Cameron as, as well. Yeah, I agree with that. That's another thing that we try to use to set the tone in the house, and we do fail. I fail at this still, on probably a daily basis, where, you know, you, you would treat someone in your family uh, with a disrespect that you would never show, uh, you know, if you had a guest over, you know. But we do it, and we don't realize how destructive that is. You know, if a guest was sitting at your table, and they, you know, dropped their fork, you wouldn't say, you idiot! <laughs> they spilled your, the melt, their melt. You wouldn't make them feel foolish for spilling their milk, you know. You get up and clean it. You know? um, but, you know, familiarity breeds contempt. You know, it's a proverb, but not one in the Bible. Because <laughs> it shouldn't be that way, right? It should be familiarity breeds love, you know. But, and so we have, to, we have to overcome that natural instinct to get fed up with the people we live with and realize, hey, they're... The idea is that, um, I'd put down, we treat each person like a whole person from the day they were born, you know? And so even when they're little kids, uh, we realize that they have a personality, they have a unique personality that's different than mine. Uh, Kathy's personality is different than mine. And, and the goal of family is to learn how to live with people that are different from you. And they're probably the most like me of anybody on the planet. And it's difficult, right? And so if we can learn it in this context, then we can translate those skills into uh, uh, dealing with people uh, on in, in other contexts. Did you have something, Tori, you wanted to jump in? Or I can ask a question. So, uh, Emily, you, you mentioned about drama. Why don't you explain that a little bit? <coughs> um, one of the things that I have noticed about our family is that we don't really have a lot of drama which is very rare I feel like um, a lot of my friends that I've spoken to over the years a lot of conversation especially like when you're growing up is it, it can be 
figuring out how to deal with the drama in your family. And it's something that, um, like, just having emotional issues and having grudges and that kind of thing, I, like, I guess I kind of want to tread lightly on it because I realize that, like, that's not in your control. Like, you can't just suddenly start being forgiving and every person in your family is going to, you know, want to have a happy family. Like, I realize that that's not how it works. It's not a specific formula. But you can, like, do your part in it. And right. so I guess the fruit of what I've seen from all of us doing our part is kind of what I wanted to share with you guys. Um, like, one of the things is we, and Tori and I were actually talking about this earlier um, today, um, was, I mean, like, we have a really, um, we've been blessed in that we're able to not really hold a lot of offense against each other or, like, long-term grudges. And I kind of realized it was uh, because we're able to not carry a lot of expectation that's been uncommunicated. Um, so we, like for instance, I went through a big phase in my life where I was in Toronto, like off doing my own thing, living my own life, you know, forging my own path, if you will. Um, and like one of the things when I left for Toronto that like dad had kind of told me was like, a, he was like, I knew that we were going to lose you for a couple years. Like, like I was okay. I was okay with that. You know, like he was like, my whole time in Toronto, there wasn't like, I didn't feel any grudge against my family for like not being there or not being a part of the family or like, oh, like what about your brothers? Like, you know, they're growing up and you're not here. Like, I never felt any of that expectation that was put on me. So anytime I came back, even though there were definitely times when I was in Toronto that I felt like guilty for like abandoning my family or something like that or like not keeping up good enough communication whenever I came back home they contradicted those expectations I had put on myself um, and they were like this is great you're here we love that you're here and there was even a time when I was considering going to Toronto full-time and I like for years um, and like when I talked to them about it, I knew that wasn't specifically what they had wanted. I'd heard a lot about how they would love for me to be back in Kalamazoo <laughs> and to invest in New Day and to, you know, be a part of our family, like, close distance. And so it was really hard for me to communicate to them at first, like, this is what I, I want to do. I want to stay in Toronto long term. But even when that was communicated, they were like, this is your choice. Like, you know what, what we would like, but we're not going to hold a grudge against you for following what your heart is telling you to do. Um, and so it was just, it was a lot of um, not putting expectation on each other um, and accepting people regardless of what their choices are, which I realize can be very hard, especially if you have, you know, somebody who's making consistent poor choices. Yeah. And so, like, that's just something where I'm like, I understand that that can be very, very sensitive for a lot of people. And, um, but I, I've just seen the fruit of all of us consistently being able to accept people without expectations. Did you want that? Like and when she was saying, um, she was thinking about going full-time to Toronto, and of course we would love to have her here and be around us, but our heart really has been as for Oliver, because we thought when Tori got married that she was gonna move to South Carolina, you know, and we were, we saw wisdom in that. We saw wisdom in Tori, Emily possibly staying in Toronto. We felt like these were good decisions that we could support wholeheartedly. Yeah, we would miss them if they weren't with us. We would love to have them close, but we really wanted them to follow their destinies and to have opportunities to do things, amazing things that w they couldn't just do in our little nest, you know? So I ne we never, I don't think, 
like like she was saying that expectation oh you have to stay close to us Beca and maybe because we're travel you know we have the opportunity to travel and stuff we have a vision for the whole planet not just for our nest so mm -hmm. we very much we love them we like them so much that we love them when they're they're around with us but we totally support them having living their lives fully you know we're not we don't live next to our parents my mom finally moved back to Kalamazoo. She lived in the UP. His lives in the lower, low, UP, the lower, pen, lower, lower peninsula, Florida. Florida. <laughs> Say that. The other peninsula. Yeah, yeah. So we, we ourselves didn't stay close to our parents, and they didn't stay close to us. They, they both moved away. So we don't have that paradigm that you have to stay next to us or you're not a good kid, you know. Yeah. And, that, and that's true in a geographic sense, but it's also true in, in other ways, like just interests and, you know, you don't have to be just like us or patterned after us. That, and creating, you know, striving to create opportunity rather than barriers is a, a big key um, that uh, we've tried. I want to just bounce off what Emily said that to a big degree, you know, uh, people holding grudges or making bad choices is not up to you, but how you respond is up to you. And the Bible says, inasmuch as it's up to you, live at peace with all men, or with all people. Well, of, of, of the most important of all would be living at peace with those that you live with. <laughs> and so if people are making bad choices, you, again, you go, well, those, you're going to suffer the consequences, but I'm going to be at peace. I'm going to treat you with respect. And uh, one of the things that, <coughs> you know, I don't think the kids ever really knew this maybe they recognized it but what I tried to do even from the youngest age each one usually and you have teaching moments when you're in the car going somewhere you're walking you know looking for something in the garage or those moments when you can sneak in a word of advice and they don't know that you're teaching them <laughs> is to kind of lay a foundation that listen you're gonna have friends and, and that's great, but friends don't last a lifetime. Very rarely do friends last a lifetime, especially in, in grade school and in high school. So I'm like, hey, guys, at the end of high school, everything changes. The whole world changes. Chances are you might stay in touch with one or two friends from high school. But then, you know, it's like I have one friend from high school. I, you know, we exchange messages on Facebook. That's about it. I see him once every few years. But in high school, that's the most important thing is your friends. But I say, listen, your family, your siblings are going to be there for your whole life. And you just have to kind of keep reminding them of that when they're mad at each other or, you know, this or that. You know, they, they want to get, I'm like, you can do that. But remember, long term, they're always going to be part of your life. Friends come and go, but family stay. Yeah, I think that message got through loud and clear <laughs> because that was one of the things that just, oh, why is my family happy? Well, because I know these guys are on my side and they know they have me. Like, regardless of what other things are going on or like no matter where mom and dad are at, like we got each other's backs, you know, and I think we all feel that way. I hope so. You know that, right? <laughs> okay. Like that and and it wasn't worth staying mad at each other because of that. Like, you're going to be around forever. Like, you know, like exactly what you said is true, that we have each other's backs. And that's yeah, most and important. It's not worth they'd it. They'd storm off and shut the door, you know, or they'd get there. All that stuff happened. But in the midst of it, you know, it wasn't punishment because of that. 
but it was teaching through it, giving a vision of, of you know, hey, you're going to be in this for the rest of your life. How can you make it better? So I want William to comment on the last two th ones on his list because I think they're really down-to-earth and practical. Okay. These are significant. These are important, guys. <coughs> Listen. <laughs> so a lot of you guys know something about me. I don't like a lot of food. <laughs> I'm really picky, uh -huh, and that's something that I really appreciate. He is one of the pickiest eaters on the planet. <laughs> yeah, everything is just so intense. I just want the simple food. <laughs> I don't like all the spices and everything, and that's something that my parents have uh, respected. Um, they've, if I'm at the dinner table and I say I don't really like this, they're like, all right, just go get something out of the fridge. You guys, you can fend for yourself, and that's fine. I I appreciate. Uh, not having the expectation to eat everything on my plate. Because <laughs> it's just a lot of stress for me. Because it's like, I don't like this. Why do I have to eat this? Um, so I really appreciate, you want to say something? Yeah, I want to add in that. And so this is really important. And a lot of parents make the, the dinner table a battleground and a battle of wills over eating the vegetables. And listen, your kids are not going to be malnourished. Right? The number one problem in America in, for children is obesity, not malnourishment. Okay? And so, but if, you, if, you, if, you're, if the dinner table becomes the, the place where there's a battle of wills, what is that setting up? Is that setting up an atmosphere where we gather on the table and we can talk and be happy? Or is it like, okay, what are we going to battle about this time? You know, and kids pick up on that because kids are built to battle, right? They, they want to know the boundaries. And so if they know you're going to make them eat the peas, they're not going to eat the peas or the apples or whatever. Yeah. <coughs> and so um, that doesn't mean you disregard good nutrition, but you just don't get uptight about it. Yeah, and we do have a value in our family. We t we've trained our kids from young, I forget, since we're talking about eating, that their taste buds will change. And so in different stages of their life, they're going to like different things. And so you can expect that maybe someday it's something you don't like you might like. So we kind of have a rule, especially when they're, they're younger, that try a bite of everything. Just so yeah, it can, it can be like a tiny, tiny bite. Try a bite of everything in case your taste buds changed, you know. And every once in a while, they have, by golly, and they like something they didn't like before. All of a sudden, they start liking something, you know, yeah. because they've grown out of it. So know. they know that they won't have to endure a whole serving of something they don't like. But they, so this taught them, I think, not only just to be, you know, open-minded about food, but to be open-minded about experiences. Like, okay, I didn't, you know, I didn't like piano at this stage. Maybe I like piano at this other stage, you know. Yeah. Okay, this one is also really important that I kind of picked up on. Um, is our family, we don't really raise our voice at each other, which is really important, because I've had a couple friends that have told me, like, oh, my parents were shouting at me this other time, and it was like, it, I noticed it was really destructful to them, and like their esteem and everything. And when I realized, oh wow, I don't have that in my family, it just, it's relieving almost, because, uh, yeah, it is a safety, like my sister just said. Um, we are all on level grounds. We're not like interjecting and yelling at one another. We, and I think that ties in with like the respect and everything. Uh, you wouldn't go yell at your guest. That just puts them down. 
Um, and so you want to lift each other up all the time. Yeah, yeah. So just, you know, and that's, this is an area that if you grew up in a home where there was shouting or yelling, that's how emotions were expressed. It's very difficult to compensate for that and to, to learn how to not. But to understand the significance that, um, you know, not only do words um, shape the character of the people that you're living with, but the tone shapes the character. I mean, you literally have creative power, life and death, are in the power of the tongue, God says. And so how I speak to my family members and what I speak to my family members creatively shapes them. And so you go, wow. And so if, if I blow it, and listen, I've blown it. I've yelled. I've, you know, I've, I don't yell, but I can be pretty intense. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, you kids, you get, sometimes they, they say, I'm like, you've never heard me yell. No, I we feel like you yelled. <laughs> I, I dropped the volume, right? But I've I've blown it, you know, and then you go and you just you repent. And Kathy put that on the list that we repent, you know. And one time it was a bad I really blew it with with William. <laughs> I can't even remember what he was doing. Do you want me to? You to <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're almost done. Okay, I'll be quick. So um, my dad was on a fast actually during this time. <laughs> this is three weeks into a fast. So I hadn't eaten in three weeks. Yeah, he hadn't eaten. Um, Give me some grace. <laughs> so my dad told me uh, Emily left her ukulele upstairs on like the couch or something. Um, and so he was like, go put that down in a room. And so I was downstairs and I was displaying a little bit as I was walking into a room. And my dad was downstairs. He, he, it was so scary. <laughs> so he like looked at me and was like, I told you to put that away. And I was playing it. So I was just like, okay. And then he like pinned me against the wall and was telling me. And I was like, because <laughs> normally my dad isn't like yelling at me or anything. But when he was yelling or speaking firmly, it was really scary. <laughs> And so I put that away, and I was really quiet for the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah, I actually, you know, it was just dead wrong. You know, I, pin, I pinned them against the wall. I mean, I didn't slam them against the wall, but it's pretty easy. I'm, you know, big guy. And, <coughs> and afterwards, I was shaking. <laughs> I went to the bathroom. I was like, man, I, I couldn't believe I'd so blown it. And that's actually one of the things that happens in a fast is it, it tears away some stuff and it lets stuff out that you, you were hiding. And, and I went back and said, William, what I did was exponentially worse, so much worse than what you did. I am so sorry. I was just completely wrong. Please forgive me. You know, no excuses. It was just stupid. You know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, and so being willing <coughs> to ask forgiveness, it's just it, because, you know what? It, that's more important, that, that relationship, that he can trust me. And my goodness, he was playing a musical instrument. I was spending all this money for lessons. He's playing a musical instrument, and I get mad at him, you know? Like, duh. And so, 
You know, we all face challenges in our families. <clears throat> and there's only so much you can do as an individual. But when you do what, what is in your power to live at peace with those that you live with, or those that you interact with, then that releases a grace that enables the Holy Spirit, enables God to begin to warp change. And you'd be surprised how much, you, how much change you can affect in the, the lives of the people in your family, in your workplace, in your circle of influence, simply by choosing to act according to the, the wisdom and the character of God. What would God do you know, in this situation? Or how can I best reflect the person of Jesus Christ? And, and it requires a, a, a reliance on the Holy Spirit uh, that is significant, that pushes. I'm like, why does God put us in this situation? It's because he wants to teach us to rely on him. On him. Like, you, I can't do this apart from completely leaning into the Holy Spirit. And when I'm not leaning into the Holy Spirit, that's when I do stupid things. You know, so it's leaning into the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit wants to give you the power to respond in the unique circumstances that you find yourself in so that you can be happy, so that your family can be happy, so the next generation can be better than this generation, and so that the kingdom of God can advance. So, Father, we just come, just close, we're going to close in prayer. Father, we thank you that in your word you have given real advice to real families, and uh, it really works. And, Lord, I just pray for each person here that they would find the wisdom uh, from God to apply your truths in ways that can produce happiness, joyfulness in their relationships, their interpersonal relationships, their family relationships, so that we can be uh, your representatives in this generation. In Jesus' name, amen.